Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Podcast Show 807. Basically, it's where you're, you're establishing your brand in a specific market to kind of bring you in a, a benefit. It brings your brand awareness to a segment to, to, to drive you in business. And so it's about putting it into different segments to kind of trapping the people and bringing them to you then to convert the sale or with off-market, the same thing. It, there's different funnels to drive you an off-market deal or an on-market deal in general. And so it's about establishing that lead trap driving the people into that trap and then having it constantly be coming to you. But it's a way to trap customers and then get them to constantly be coming to you to keep your sales channels open. Every week we are bringing you stories, how-tos, and the answers you need to make smart real estate decisions now in the current market with everything happening. We bring on experienced titans, people that are crushing it in this game, that are pivoting, that are adjusting to everything the market is throwing our way. But really, at the end of the day, we're having really great real conversations with real investors. And today... I'm joined by the iconic, the legendary, the one-of-a-kind James Daynard with perhaps the coolest arm tat I've ever seen. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. I, you just buttered me up, so now I'm feeling very confident <laughs> for the next hour. So this is a this is a great way. And I'm turning 40, so now I feel even better. When? Today? Like, is it your birthday at this moment? Uh, it'll be August 2nd. Is I turned the big 4-0. So very soon. All right, man. I'm going to send you flowers and chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, what's your address, though? Can you say that one more time on, on air for us? <laughs> yeah. So today's episode, we're talking all things funnels, funnel marketing. We've been talking about it on the real estate show for so long. And uh, I, I I always geek out about this kind of stuff. But really, you know, this came off from an offshoot comment that we had in episode 781 on how to find off-market deals. We started talking about funnels. I was like, we should do an episode that actually talks about the funnel marketing in each of your businesses because James, you're a very established guy in the real estate world. And uh, so is Sam, who's joining us on today's episode. For new listeners today, James, what do you think they're going to get out of today's episode? You know, it's a really important topic that, you know, when people think of real estate podcasts, they don't really think about the marketing side as much as think about the strategy. But funnels is so important because as you set up, whether you're a wholesaler, a fix and flip operator, a burr investor, it's all about setting up your deal flow and what's going to come to you to execute your plan. And so, you know, I'm excited to talk about just putting clarity in the top of your funnels. You're getting the right things to come to you, get you to that right decision, and then, you know, really dig into like understanding your buy box and what you want to be as an investor and to get that deal flow coming to you correctly, it's really, really important just, you know, jumping in the clarity of your entire business. 100%, man. And if you're an experienced investor, we're also going to be discussing how to track your customer's journey through that funnel. And we're also going to be talking about establishing KPIs, the key performance indicators of your business. James, you talked a lot. You spit out a lot of gold nuggets out on this one. So I'm really excited to jump into it. Uh, but before we do, let's get into today's quick, quick, quick tip. Get specific when it comes to your buy box when setting up your deal flow. No one really, you know, if you're working with a, a wholesaler, you don't want to go to them and say, Oh, send me any deal that's good. I'll look at it. I'll buy it. You want to get very, very specific. You want to give exactly prescriptively what you're looking to buy. That way, wholesalers and other people, real estate agents, brokerages. And also, you just don't want to spend too much time looking at everything. You want to spend time looking at the things that you want to buy so you can stay focused in your business. Passive income without the property headache. It's possible. 
There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. What's better than low money down? No money down. Now through Rent to Retirement, you can buy a brand new construction turnkey rental property for no money down. Wait, hold on. This can't be right. We need to double check with Zach, Rental Retirement CEO. Oh, hey, Rob. Zach, how the heck are you selling turnkey rental properties for $0 down? <laughs> it's not that complicated, Rob. Rent to Retirement has new construction properties up to $20,000 below retail prices. We also have investor loans with rates as low as 3.99% and down payment options as low as 5% or sometimes even zero money down. You get all the cash flow, appreciation, and equity for as little as zero money down. That's an infinite return. Oh, wait, wait. Let me get on this before we tell it to the whole Bigger Pockets audience. Just head to renttoretirement.com. That's renttoretirement.com or text REI to 33777. That's REI to 33777 to learn more about how you can get started investing with no money down today. Get your next new construction property at a steep discount or invest with no money down. Head to renttoretirement.com today. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single-family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. And with that, let's get into today's episode. So we previously did an episode with James Daynard and Sam Prim to talk about real estate funnels. You hear us talk about funnels all the time on the Bigger Pockets podcast. Today, we finally decided to jump in and actually define it and talk about why it is fundamental and why it's pivotal to your real estate business. So with that said, welcome back to the show, James and Sam. What's going on, buddy? Thanks. Excited to be here. I uh, I feel like I won the battle last time, so I'm I'm kind of defending my belt today for you guys. So I, I was gracious enough to come back and let you guys beat me this time. If Rob makes me the winner today, do you, are you going to ship me your belt? Because I do want I, I I'm I'm jealous of your belt. I'll ship it over. Yes, sir. Two day ground. <laughs> uh, well, awesome. Well, let's talk about funnels, fellas. I mean, both of you have very successful real estate businesses, and I want to just talk about 
the funnel process and you know how many funnels you have like how how it all works in your ecosystem um it I, I feel like initially it always sounds more complicated than it is but at the end of the day funnel marketing is stuff that we're all doing we're just trying to kind of nail down that concept a little bit more for the listeners at home that may not be familiar with the marketing side of it so with that said, James, do you think you could just very simply tell us what a marketing funnel is and why it's important to your business? Yeah, I think I'm a little old school because I used to just call them lead traps. <laughs> but now I guess the, 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 the new thing is called a funnel. But basically, it's where you're, you're establishing your brand in a specific market to kind of bring you in a, a benefit, right? Like we have eight different businesses in the Pacific Northwest. Each company has their own funnels to that, ha, that brings your brand awareness to a segment of, you know, um, it brings your brand awareness to a segment to, to, to drive you in business, right? So like, like interest funding or lending business, we set up lead funnels through educational where it's, it's targeted towards and borrowers and investors that need hard money to fund their deal. And so it's about putting it into different segments to kind of trapping the people and bringing them to you then to convert the sale or with off market, the same thing. It, there's different funnels to drive you an off market deal or an on market deal in general. And so it's about establishing that lead trap driving the people into that trap and then having it constantly be coming to you. I think they call it a funnel because it's constantly spiraling things towards you, but I just made that up. So I'm not quite sure, <laughs> uh, but it's a way to trap customers and then get them to constantly be coming to you to keep your sales channels open. Yeah, totally. I mean, you're that that's part of it, right? So if you visually just think about a funnel, right? Think about like an oil funnel, you put that inside of your your engine and then you pour the, the oil in there and then it funnels it into the engine, right? It's effectively an upside down triangle. And if you really wanted to just break it down in a very, very simple terms, a funnel basically describes your customer's journey uh, that from your brand all the way to purchase, right? So the very top of that funnel is where they learn about you. And then they keep traveling down that funnel and maybe you provide value along the way. And at the very end, as they exit the funnel, ideally, that customer is purchasing whatever good or service you have. And so to put this in a very simple example, uh, every single person in the bigger pockets community that owns real estate has a funnel, right? If you have a long-term investment or if you have a short-term investment or whatever, let's say you want to get your house rented, you might list that on Craigslist and then someone would then reach out to you because they have found out about the product that you are offering and then you would lease it to them. That in very, very simple terms is a funnel. Did I miss anything there? No, I don't think you did, but I want to kind of piggyback off your point. This applies to everybody. And I know funnels may not excite everybody, but what you track improves and what improves makes you money. So it's something that in even maybe a little bit different angle of it is when you have a funnel, you're tracking things, you have metrics you're trying to hit. And the more things you track, whether it be just a funnel to get a lead to buy a house, education, whatever funnel you're looking at, starting a funnel and having the discipline to actually do it, no matter where you are in your business, will improve your business and will improve your bottom line. So this applies to everybody, uh, honestly, no matter what business you're in. Uh, absolutely. I've always said, I mean, business is basically funnel marketing. You could have the greatest, let's say you opened up a taco shop inside of your house, where no one can see it. And you make the best tacos that have ever existed in the 
in the entire universe, if there's no way for people to find out about said service, no one will ever knock on your door and say, hey, I heard you have really good tacos, right? You have to you have to figure out how to get the awareness out and you have to get people through your funnel to find out about that service. So whether it's a business that's a landscaping business, a painting business, a real estate business, it is the exact same concept for any business that you ever run. That sounds like a sketchy business though, Rob, inside taco shop. <laughs> Listen, I didn't say that the health department approved it. I was, I was going off the cuff here, but uh, you get what I mean. You get what I mean. So I, I think uh, ultimately one of the things that I want to stress is it doesn't have to be super complicated. I think for most of the people at home who have a rental, the most simple use case of this is, like I said, you could list on Craigslist, but that is just one way to get awareness to the one thing that you're trying to rent, right? You might also list on Trulia. You might also list on Zillow. You might also list on Redfin, on all the different websites that exist. The more places that you're putting your, your brand and your exposure and your listing out there, the more opportunities that there are for people in the greater population to find out about the thing. So that would be from a rental standpoint, but both of you have very successful businesses, both in the flipping side of things and the wholesaling side of things. So what I wanted to talk about was for the investors that are really trying to figure out how to sort of uh, get more deal flow, because um, this is really what sprung this conversation to begin with on the last episode that we did. I believe that was episode 781. We talked about how to find off-market deals, how to increase your deal flow. And so what I want to talk with each of you um, about today is how you establish your funnel to effectively get more deal flow into your respective businesses. So if you wouldn't mind, James, can you just tell us a little bit about the funnel process and a little bit about your business and how they all sort of interact with each other? Yeah, we have two main uh, businesses that are always sourcing investment properties. And, and, and so that's what I kind of consider... You know, out of the eight, two are like the main purchasers of those business. One is an off-market company where we're targeting and creating funnels for off-market uh, or for off-market sellers that maybe have a, a problem house, um, symptoms of distress, or they just want to move that transaction through cash. Um, and so we're constantly marketing via call centers, direct mail, online ads, uh, internal phone calling, door knocking. And, the, and each one of those is their own individual funnels that are coming back to our company to package up and wholesale off. Um, and so it's about, you know, for those different segments, we're setting up different funnels for each one, you know, whether it's for a call center, you know, we're, we're contracting a call center and we're doing mass calling, mass marketing. That's going to produce a certain amount of leads that's going to feed into our sales team, right? It like, it's almost like one big bundle with a funnel with a bunch of both funnels in it, like small ones. And it feeds down into our sales team to underwrite, look at an investment, highest and best use and sell it off that way. Um, buying ads, same thing. We're buying, uh, buying leads. Um, different types of sellers. It's coming through the funnel. At that point, we, we get to sit there, underwrite the deal and contract it. Other things that we do for deal flow is that is our on-market funnels and, and our broker-to-broker networking. So essentially, out of those two ones, because of our brand and how long we've been purchasing for, that is really what we're marketing in our broker community. We are dependable buyers We've been here forever. Here's our 4,000 transactions we've done. That's one funnel where brokers are constantly bringing us off-market deals that they were presented a listing opportunity on, but they didn't feel it was marketable. Other than that, there is just the straight funnel of where is properties getting listed on market, which require it's it's less marketing, but it's more about tracking the deal flow and getting it in front of our sales team with auto searches to where they're seeing the opportunities very, very quickly and we can jump on them and, and turn them into transactions. Yeah. So basically, like if you have a need, 
in your in one of your examples, the wholesaling need, right? Like you need someone to bring you off market deals. You are going to basically establish some sort of funnel that if, that will get people to send you leads. That that's like the ultimate goal, right? With establishing like a wholesaling funnel is you are finding wholesalers, you're getting in contact with wholesalers, maybe even brokers that send you off market leads, and you're establishing contact with them to make it known and aware that hey. My name is James. This is my company. This is what we do. We are looking for off-market leads. Um, and so you're establishing communication with a bunch of different people. And by doing that, eventually they all kind of end up presenting you a deal ideally. Yeah. And there's kind of two funnels in that. There's like the paid funnels, which you're pr- putting together a marketing plan, establishing, spending money to bring those opportunities to you through the funnel system. Then there's the relationship funnels where you're out there working with wholesalers, uh, other investors that are going to bring you deal flow that isn't going to cost you a lot of money. And so every time we're trying to look at any type of, you know, lead to lead, you know, even with the brokers, the same thing, like when they're bringing us a deal, typically they're double ending it. So we're not, we're not making revenue on that. When it's on market, we're going and finding it ourselves. So in each segment, when they're bringing you in, when you're looking for deal flow or any type of lead, typically there's two main funnels, which is going to be the paid ones and then the relationships. And it's really 50-50 at that point or kind of what you want to do with your business on whether you want to do that marketing spend or do you want to focus more on the relationships? Yeah. And for what we do is exactly that, um, James, is we have a 50-50 split. We have five full-time buyers and their job is to go network and bring in um, two deals a month from their networking. And then we give them leads to provide two deals a month from kind of our marketing. So it's we're trying to diversify ourselves a little bit, right? In case the marketing kind of dies down or people are now getting leads, we have, you know, um, the actual networking to fall back on. And if that kind of dies down, we have the marketing to fall back on. So I think it's good to diversify a little bit in your funnels paid versus, you know, free networking and marketing. But I also think that, um, probably not try to do too much. I guess we try to go too wide and we weren't going deep enough in each funnel. I think it's better for especially new investors that are listening to this just to pick one or two funnels to go a little bit deeper on rather than spend a little bit of money on Facebook ads, spend a little bit of money on direct mail, spend a little bit of money on networking, go to meetups. I feel like people spread themselves too thin and they don't go deep enough to actually make an impact and actually make the connections and spend enough money to make an impact. They're just barely spending money here or there. So from from my take, especially for new investors, I would just pick two or three lanes and go deeper rather than wider. Yeah, that makes sense. So basically what you're saying is if you open up your funnel too wide and you're sort of like, hey, bring me this, bring me this, bring me this, and really just trying to cram everything in there, you won't really be able to service the customers or whoever's in that funnel to to the end point because you're going to be too spread (laughs) just trying to keep up with all the people that are coming at you with random ideas, random things, investments, deals that are coming across their table, right? Exactly. Like we, we were spending 7,500 bucks a month on uh, Google ads in, in St. Louis and we were like breaking even. As soon as we jumped that up to 20,000, we were getting three X return on our actual investment. So going, you know, going deeper and not just tippy tone around usually makes a big difference. And it's very, very similar to when I first got started investing in real estate. I would say anybody bring me any deal. I'll buy any deal, any area town, any price point. And two things happened. One, people sent me too many deals that I didn't have time to analyze and I dropped the ball. The other thing happened was I couldn't do all that and I was just wasting my time. The minute I said, I'm looking for this area, this price point, I'm going to turn to rental. People started me bringing me deals that I actually wanted to buy. So similarly, if you have a little bit of a focus, I think it can go a long way into doing more, not less. Yeah. I really like what, I mean, what Sam just said is really important. Like 
getting deep into something is going to get you results. Like, you know, in the era of social media, everyone sees so a hundred different ideas and they're chasing all of them. And you end up not accomplishing a lot because you're, like Sam said, you're just stretched too thin. And, and also what Sam kind of touched on is at that top of that funnel, you know, that, that's that brand awareness that you're trying to establish. And if for deal flow, your brand awareness is a qualifying yourself to people that will bring you deal flow, but it's also really defining that buy box. Because as an investor, my brand is what will I buy to wholesalers? Like, you know, it's that I'm reputable, that I will close, and then I'm I'm clearly articulating to them what I will perform on. And so that's really important as you go out and start setting up these funnels and start setting up these marketing channels is to really explain what you're trying to accomplish because it's going to it's gonna bring you the deal flow that you're looking for, not just everything where you can get overwhelmed. Yeah, true. Sam, did you ever have a moment where you gave that... Uh that parameter to like a wholesaler, you're like, I'll buy anything that you send me. And then they actually sent you stuff and then you didn't buy it. And then they just stopped sending you stuff. Has that ever happened? Cause I feel like that's probably a pretty common thing that most real estate, I mean, I've done that many times where I'm just like, just send me a good deal and I'll look at it. Uh, and then, you know, I look at it, but because I don't ever actually end up buying it cause it's not exactly what I want. The wholesaler stops sending me the deals. Well, exactly. You either, you know, don't reply to them and they don't bring you the deal. Or the other thing that happened that I, I kind of failed to mention earlier was they don't remember you. Everybody says that, right? So if you say, I'll buy any deal anywhere, that's what everybody says to them. But if you say, I'm looking in 63304 to 63305, I'm looking for that 200 to $400,000 price point. It needs 50 grand. They'll remember you when that deal crosses their plate. So getting more specific in everything, but kind of this example um, goes a long way. And for sure, Rob, I had plenty of people send me deals I just didn't get to, was too busy trying to do too many things and didn't get back to them. And you have to give offers to these people to get them to continue to bring deals, even if it's a low ball offer, explain how you got to that offer, get them their offer back quickly, and then they'll probably bring you another one. But if you fail to give them an offer, you can pretty much guarantee that uh, they're not going to bring you another one. Yeah. So if we just really break down some of the more common problems with just establishing your funnel, especially as a real estate investor, the ones that I'm hearing from from both of you are A, uh, trying to cram too much into the funnel. And B, really, when that happens, the actual follow up to the lead uh, is also like lagging. And so a lot of the times you're not able to convert or close a lead. Um, is there anything else that that really pops up as a, as a big problem with funnel marketing in, in either of your operations? Um, I, I don't I think you kind of hit the two main ones. But in general, knowing when to stop pushing money or energy down a funnel, knowing when to kind of, you know, pluck that leaky bucket or stop the bleeding is super important. And I think everybody's business and time is different. But as soon as you're not you're dropping the ball, like not being able to make offers on that lead source through that funnel, or you spend a ton of time and energy, and they're just not giving you the quality leads. Everybody's breakpoints a little bit different. But I think when the ball is getting dropped, and you're not continually at least seeing some potential for profit is the kind the time to kind of back away. And that usually happens like what were kind of the theme so far of this is when people are spread a little bit too thin. Sure, sure. And James, on your end of things, how important is speed to lead in your in any of your funnels? Like how how important is it to get to follow up with whoever falls through that funnel super quickly? Is there like a time assigned to 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 every respective funnel or does it does it vary depending on what you're trying to market? Oh, we are all about speed in the office. That that is how we built our whole businesses over the last 18 years, like getting back to people very quickly with a direct answer. Uh, because the thing about the investment world is 
you know, 90%, I, in, in, from my opinion, 90% of the single family traditional investors out there have a lack in clarity about what they actually want to buy. And there's a smaller bucket of people that go, no, this hits all my buy boxes. I'm taking this right now, at least in today's market when the market's a little bit more stable. And so for us, the best way for us to get deal flow is to A, give people direct quick answers and also make it very, very easy on them. The easier it is for this funnel to bring me deal flow and the more that they can transact, the more that that, that funnel starts producing, right? And and so speed of lead is a huge thing for on-market and off-market. I mean, a good example is actually an off-market deal came across to me. It was about three weeks ago. And I looked at it on my phone. I was like, this is right in my buy box, but I got to look at this a little bit closer. I didn't even call the guy back because I knew him fairly well. I gave him an answer. I got back to my office like two hours later, looked at it for 20 minutes. I call him to take the deal. It's gone. <laughs> And, and, and that's that speed and that's two and a half hours. That's not a long window, right? But a good deal is a good deal and you have to jump on it. Um, same with on market properties. That's where we get a lot of our properties right now. Like we've actually had better luck buying on market than off market in, in the way these things are transacting. Because if th- things are listed really, really low, the market's still not as hot as it was a year and a half ago. We want to jump on that deal. So typically when a property gets listed on market, it gets on market, we drive it, budget it, and write an offer all within six hours of being live with a very direct, no inspection, quick close offer. And we do that to secure that deal down. And just by even doing those activities relentlessly for six years, brokers bring us additional deal flow just by seeing our offers and how quickly and and how seamless our offers are. So it actually creates its own funnel in itself. But getting back to people, a good deal is a good deal and they're going to leave quick. And so it doesn't matter what's going on in the market. Even in 2008, when the market was in a free fall, a good deal would get sold very quickly. And so as investors, you have to jump on things very fast. That is what we train at our office relentlessly, off market, on market, get back to people, get clarity and then lock it down. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, that happens all the time, man, where you it's like something looks like it's a good especially anything that's on market. Something looks like a good deal, you know it, and you're like, "Ah, you're in the car, you're like, let me just let me just get home and let me get my laptop out. Let me laptop out. Let me uh, analyze it for a little bit." And then you're like, "It's the one." And then you go back to the Zillow listing and it's pending and you're like, "Ah." That happens all the time, man, and it, it really is because you just didn't act quickly enough. Sam, what about you? Is there any sort of time frame that you put, uh, you know, in this in the side of speed to lead, which is for anyone at home, if I didn't explain it, basically just how fast you can get to your lead. Yeah, we try to get to them as quick as possible. If somebody's filling out like a web form deal, we'll call them right away because A, we want to be professional and communicate, but B, hopefully we can stop their search. They're Googling, I need to sell my house for cash. And they're just going down the list and they're calling or filling out web forms. So if we can communicate with them, set an appointment, we can stop them hopefully from calling the next person and kind of limit the competition. And we also try to just be able to communicate with them as much as possible throughout the entire process. And I kind of want to piggyback. I've used that twice now off of what you both were saying. But when you're in the house with the home seller, you also want to be as quick as possible. We want our guys to put an offer on the spot. If they can lock it up while they're in the house the very first time, you know, we have a lot higher chance of getting a really good deal than having it shopped around and have have them talking to other people and being wishy-washy of what they should or shouldn't do. So it's really important to be able to put offers to wholesalers. But when you're in the home with the seller, it's super important to just be quick and be honest and be upfront. We walk 
through uh, the, with the sellers our, our process. We say, we think it's worth this. How much do you think it's worth fixed up? Here's how much we need to put in it. And then here's how much we're going to profit at the end of the day. And like, we just are super transparent. The more transparent with the end that we are, the better. And that's kind of something that our, our top sales guys does. He literally walks them through everything. And most of the time we're like, we think, what do you think your house is worth fixed up? And they're going to say 300. And we're going to say, we actually think it's worth 325 fixed up. So we kind of just really build that trust and show them, show the fees, everything we have to pay. Cause St. Louis, we're not making 50 K a rip here, right? We're making 15, 20, 30 K. So most people are okay with us making a little bit of money. If we show them everything and, you know, we're taking on a risk by buying this and fixing it up. So just a little, um, little side note on there, but speed, is important anywhere. Man, okay, so you're so you'll actually tell them how much you're going to make. Has that ever stopped the sale, or has that ever made them be like, "Whoa, that's okay, that's more like"? Do they get more defensive on the offer that you submit at that point ever, or is it usually pretty like straightforward to just be? you know, trustworthy and honest. Um, I would say occasionally it's backfire, but it's helped way more than it's hurt. And, you know, it's, we're trying to, and we are being honest, but there's some subjectivity to it, right? We think this needs, you know, how much do you think this kitchen needs? People are usually like, oh, 30 grand. You're like, no, this kitchen's probably 15 grand kitchen. So we just build that rapport throughout the process. But, you know, we don't exactly know we're going to be conservative on our numbers on what we think it's going to need to repair. You know, we can not, I won't say fluffs the wrong word, but we can make the numbers kind of appear to us making 15 grand when probably we'll make 25 or 30. We can't, you know, show them a 15 grand profit or making 60, but we can, you know, we can kind of uh, build that in there a little bit with some of the things that, you know, a typical, you know, we, we sell our houses. We have an agent that gets paid a flat fee, but we don't, you know, we can say this is how much it costs to sell a house, 6%, 7%, whatever it is. So you can kind of build in some of those discrepancies a little bit and some of that subjectivity to make it look like you're making an okay profit. And sometimes we, we make less than that. Right. But you know, so that's what kind of the story we like to tell. And it, it, it seems to work pretty well here. So you're, you're padding it. You're, you're conservatively underwriting it to just cover your bases. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you're kind of walking the seller through their plan, right? Like what Sam's talking about, we train the same way. Our costs are not their cost. So if they want to take it to highest and best use and get the highest possible price, then they're going to need to take the same steps as us but the costs are going to be a lot different. And that's where we're making our margin is the cost. And, you know, half the time we're making our profit because we can get things renovated half the price of what a homeowner can. And and so a lot of times you can almost give them full market value and and you can still turn that profit out of it. Um, and, and what actually Sam talked about is a great way to get deals, just being transparent, walking them through, give them the steps to get the highest price, but it just might not be it might be less profitable than just selling to someone like Sam. Right, right. And it all goes back to basically having a really good buy box and knowing what a good deal looks like within that buy box so that you can say yes faster to that deal when you're actually in the house with that owner, right? Yes, yeah. It, clarity in buy box is the most important thing for investors. Knowing what you will buy today. And if you know that, the deals will come to you. Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal Do Not Call list. 
Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. We're always looking for ways to improve, searching for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for better is by matching with quality candidates. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Just go to Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash BiggerPockets. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago, before I ever started my real estate business, I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb? And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Remember when you had to pay to get a leads phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. 
Awesome. Well, I'd like to actually move into, I mean, you, you kind of told us a little bit about it, but I'd like to move into what are some of the funnels that you both use and how do you track those funnels, right? I know that James, you know, you, you've mentioned doing like TV, digital ads, stuff like that. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, when you're establishing a, a marketing funnel like that, do you always have KPIs in place? Like, what is it like to actually set up like a like a TV ad, for example? Yeah, so it like one of our biggest marketing channels right now is a, a call center. We use Easy Button Leads, and it brings in we can, we can produce leads for about thirty to forty bucks a per seller appointment. Um, and so that is our biggest funnel right now. And the reason we're using that is because we can get the most amount of coverage for the cheapest amount of cost, and so we can hit. A massive amounts of sellers, it funnels in to us, and then our cost per lead is lower. But uh, what Sam talked about, that speed to lead on that specific business will change everything in your in your numbers. So when we're we're tracking those, we have our monthly annual cost or monthly cost on that comes in that's going to produce a certain amount of leads. Then we look at what's our cost to our appointment because a lead isn't going to always mean an appointment. That just means they showed interest in our funnel and now it goes to the next step and we got to get them to that appointment. And so the things that we're tracking for KPIs is speed to lead is one of the biggest key things that we do look at. What we found that, you know, our lead flow, actually appointments went down quite a bit in the last 45 days. And the reason being is our guys were getting back to these uh, uh, leads in about two hours, which isn't that long. But then we got it down for under 30 minutes. That was our new requirement. And it quadrupled our appointment amount. And so by tracking those, the 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 speed to lead, it made a huge, huge difference in the amount of opportunities we have. This week alone, we have 16 off-market appointments, whereas a month ago, we only had two averaging in a month. And so it makes a huge difference. And we've already spent the money on the lead. So now what it does is by getting the appointments, it takes our cost of appointment down. So every funnel that we're setting up for an off-market sale that we're spending money on, we're tracking what is our monthly marketing spend, how many leads are we getting, what's our cost of appointment, and then cost per deal. You know, all four of those we're going to be tracking because we also don't want to be just getting deals just to not make money at that point, too. You know, our average assignment fee in the Pacific Northwest is about 38000 So we do have a little bit of cushion in there, but our average cost per deal for almost every one of our marketing methods is from six to 8000 per deal is our cost. And so we're constantly tracking how many appointments, how much is our marketing spend, and then at, given on what's going on in the market, Based on the performance, we're adjusting the funnels and our marketing spend because at our off-market company, we may, we have a certain budget that we're going to spend to market the off-market sellers. We never kill off a funnel, but we will pull back based on its performance at the time. Man, yeah. And so what was the really pivotal change to go from two to 16 deals in a, in a month? That's, that's a pretty, I mean, you 8x basically what you were doing. What was the big change? Uh, that was appointments, not deals. I would, if we get up 16 deals, then we'll, we'll be looking good for our marketing spend. But it was the biggest thing is that we were, we were wondering why our deal flow went down, our appointments went down so much. Cause about three months prior to that, we were averaging about 10 to 15 appointments, um, uh, a month or a week. And it came down to, we switched up our internal caller. Uh, or out, you know, we have one lead manager where they all come in. He sets the appointments for our closers at that point. We had him doing additional funnel work where he's making outbound calls and it was starting to distract him and he was getting back to him too late. So that was the first thing we look at. How fast are we getting to him? Because we saw we were getting the same amount of leads from our, our call center. 
but we weren't getting the same amount of appointments. So we want to dig into what is the what where is the issue there. And that's why KPIs are so important to track because it's going to show you a trend. And then once that trend gets out of whack, you can really narrow in and go, okay, what's the differences that we were doing today versus versus 90 days ago? And then we were able to pull that reporting and we could see that our guy was getting to those leads about 50% slower than he was before. And so instead of having him go with an average contact time of an hour, we, we were saying we have to be at half of that and then we get to see the performance. Now in 30 days, if it didn't go up, then that tells us it's not a speed of lead issue and we need to address what, what kind of leads are coming in and why aren't we getting into appointments. So setting up these KPIs tell you when to track and when to adjust and when to really research things. Okay, so for everyone at home that, that may not know, KPI stands for Key Performance Indicator. And it's basically the big metrics, like a big metric that you're trying to track within your business. Right, James? Is that kind of like the simplest way to describe it? Yep, that is... You, you nailed it. Okay, great. Woo, man, I'm, I'm glad I know these things. That was like, listen, <laughs> I just saw Oppenheimer. I felt like I was listening to Oppenheimer talk there with all that. With Seriously. All that. <laughs> that, uh, that, that just shows the importance of, of tracking things because not only can you get more efficient, you can know what dials to turn and when to turn them if there's a certain lead source that is performing better. Like James says, he never shuts a funnel off, but you can for sure kind of turn the dial on a lead source if it's you know, providing more whatever, for whatever reason, seasonalities of, uh, you you know, ads on on TV during political season, a little more expensive. So you might turn the dial down, but you have to be tracking those things to know your your cost per lead and cost per appointment and cost per buy. And and in St. Louis, we're we're similar. Our cost per lead, um, you know, is anywhere from that two hundred to four hundred range. Our cost per buy is anywhere from that three to five thousand range. So we're our margins are a little bit less, but also our costs are a little bit less. Just to kind of give some um, a little different perspective. Not every market's going to cost you you know seven thousand dollars to get to get a buy. Some will be less, and some might even be more. But as long as the profit's still there and you're getting the ROI that you want, um, you know, you can turn up or down that dial however much you want. Yeah. And so Sam, what is your main business? Is your main business like doing burrs? Are you more of a fix and flip guy? Is it equal parts? Tell us a little bit about that and then walk us through some of the funnels that you that you've set up. Cause you talked about, you know, someone who will go to your you know, website, fill out your form. Like I, I kind of want to know a little bit under the hood of, of that business. Yeah, for sure. So very similar to James, we have, you know, I call it a flipping business. When I say flip, I just mean buy and sell a house. So that could be us fixing it up and selling it on the retail market. That could be us wholesaling it. So that, that's one of the businesses here in St. Louis. And that's where we do a lot of, where we do a lot of outbound marketing and where we, um, you know, have the um, kind of networking marketing we utilize to, to buy deals. So if somebody calls, fills out a web form, we are having our outbound sales agent call them right away. And her goal is to get an appointment set on that initial phone call. She actually gets paid a bonus if she sets up an appointment on that initial phone call and we buy the house. You know, if we, you know, our job is to set appointments and if it's a distant phone call or or our acquisition rep sets the phone call that or sets the appointment, that's fine. But she gets bonus on setting an appointment on that initial phone call because we just want to get in the house as quick as possible. So very similarly, we have, you know, a few different funnels that we utilize. We do direct mail. We do, um, PPC, you know, Google AdWords. We do a little bit of Facebook ads. That's one thing that we should probably go deeper or just quit, but that's another, another story. Um, so, and then we have dabbled in TV, but I don't think we went deep enough in, into that. So that's kind of our, our funnels for that business. And then the beautiful thing about uh, my Burr's method and the Burr method with the rental stuff is that company feeds that business. So, uh, those properties we're buying anywhere from 20 to 30 properties a month wholesaling and flipping them. But if there's a really good deal as a rental, um, we're going to go ahead and snag that one and keep that one as a rental. So having a few different exit strategies will allow you to maximize that funnel. I think we talked 
talked a little bit about it last time, but if you can fix and flip the property, you can wholesale the property. If you can wholesale the property, if you can just list it, or if you can keep it as a rental, you're really going to be able to maximize whatever leads you're getting into that funnel and not just having one exit strategy. So I know that might be a little overwhelming for a newer investor to have to be able to do all that. But if you can work on being able to have different exit strategies, I think your funnel is just going to get more efficient and your profit's going to go up. Yeah. So let's jump into one of those funnels that you talked about. You said direct mail. Um, that would be just walk us step by step. So you effectively have to get the list of people that you're going to send direct mail. So that's the establishment of your funnel, I suppose, is like you, that's where you want to get, you know, one, one source of your off market deals. How does it start there? Like, do you go and you pull that list and then? Do you write the like just a letter to every single one of them? That would be like my my form would be a lot bigger if I was doing that. But um, <laughs> yes, no, that's that's a great point. So we'll start from scratch. So we utilize PropStream. It's somebody that uh, something that a lot of people can use. It's very very cheap to you know it's a hundred bucks a month to get ten thousand records. I think so very very cheap. So we start from there and we um, have a little bit of James in us. We like to be analytical, so we take our top um, average profit per deal zip code. So we take our zip codes in the St. Louis metro area that we have the highest profit per deal. We attack them. First, we're trying to spend $25,000 a month in direct mail. So we build a list from there. We go to those zip codes and then we figure out how deep we want to build that list. How many pain points do we want? Do we want, well, obviously we weren't going to want high equity. Do we want to go, you know, a vacant property? Do we want to go to the homeowner? Do we want to go to a certain amount of age of the property? You know, what do we want? Do we want lean? So we just look, go through that prop stream software and build a few lists from there as far as trying to get dialed down to people that are going to have the most motivation to sell. Once we have that list built and we kind of build it to our, however much we want to spend that, that month, we go ahead and send that to a mailhouse and they send out some postcards and letters and we kind of split test those and, and send those out. So, you know, we're trying to build it efficiently and then we're all, always split testing different types of mail and different types of things to, to see what the winner is. And then we split test that again, um, next down the line. So we do that. And what we do is we, um, send the same list for six months in a row. We're not going to do a new list every single month and only send one piece of mail. So we get the most buys from our very first letter but we get the equal amount of buys from our second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth letter. So after that first letter, you kind of catch them. Um, we get the same amount of buys from each other letter. So it's something that I just want to reiterate is you're not going to send one mailing list and be super profitable. You have to commit to continuing to send it and continue to drip on it uh, month after month. And that, at that point, you know, we're taking that call inbound and we're doing everything we kind of already talked about, trying to set that appointment, trying to go there as quickly as possible and offer on the spot if possible. Okay. So... The way that the the owner, the property owner, finds out about you know Sam Primco LLC, whatever they whatever you're called, is you're going to send them a letter in the mail, and that's how they find out that you are even interested in buying their house. On that letter, you have some kind of information, some kind of call to action that says, "Hey, I want to buy your house. If it's ugly, if it's junky, if there's bodies in the closet, I will buy it. It doesn't matter. Call this number if so." Then they will then send you either a text or a phone number saying, Hey, I got your letter in the mail. I'm interested. And then you basically set the appointment, go and you meet with them, make the offer, close them. I'm sure I probably missed a step or two, but is that sort of how that 
that journey might go. Yes, that's exactly right. And we'll even buy a property with a body and a bed. I know stories are always fun. We had that happen last year. Um, somebody called in and said, my, my father just passed away. Um, we're like, okay, we'll go out there. We went out there and I guess it, it was a cultural thing for them. But, um, the father was wrapped in a St. Louis blues blanket on the bed still and completely scared, um, the acquisitions rep. So we'll even buy houses with, with, uh, dead bodies on the beds. And fun fact, this is also a funnel for Sam. <laughs> this show, right now. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about the acquisition side, um, and that's effect- effectively the the act of acquiring real estate. But then there's the disposition side, and that is actually trying to offload, sell that property. So does your funnel... I mean, effectively, do you establish a whole new process and routine and everything for now trying to get that house sold once you've fixed it and you or or once you've acquired it? Yeah, I'll take a stab at that one and then James can uh, follow up, but I I we do. So we used to just kind of do what everybody else did. We'd get a property, we'd have our list of good buyers and we kind of text it out to, but then we would blast everything out to try to just sell it for as much profit because it was just super easy. Everybody and, you know, their brother and their sister was in the real estate game. That has tightened up a little bit and now we spend way more time than we used to focusing on that dispositions, spending money, sending out direct mail to potential cash buyers that we've seen that we scraped through the MLS and seen cash buyers in the area, developing relationships, having our dispositions rep go out and take people out to lunch and out to dinner, just develop those relationships because we have five acquisitions guys and we have one, well, one and a half now dispositions people. So um, we've had a much bigger focus on getting rid of these properties um, for the highest profit to somebody that's actually going to be able to close. So that's been a huge focus for us. And we're starting now to build funnels around that, like I said, via some direct mail, via some texting, of course, email blast. But the best leads, and I think James will speak to this, is the one that you have a relationship built and you text it to a couple people and they go look at it and they put an offer and you just know it's sold. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That makes complete sense. James, is, is that pretty similar to how you guys do it? Yeah. The, the thing about dispoing, dispoing is as typically in the past always been one of the more challenging things of wholesaling and just selling investment properties because, you know, especially back in like when we really took, started our business in 2008, through 2012, it was really hard. There was a lack of capital in the market and it was hard to move a deal. Now we're in a very similar kind of situation where there is capital, but the cost of capital is very, very expensive. And so it, it, it is, it has slowed everything down. And in these two eras, we've really focused on the relationships. Like what Sam had just talked about was the last three years, there was so much money in the market. The market was doing so well. Everybody wanted to be a real estate investor. There was so much movement in the market that you could stick to a marketing plan where you're just going to send out an opportunity and people were on an asset grab. So they're buying that deal. As the markets cools down, dispo gets harder and it's really, it, it comes back to those core principles that we are in real estate and we're providing a service, whether it's wholesaling or being a broker. Wholesaling is providing a service of securing a deal and selling commercial paper. Brokers are selling investment property. Two very similar things, but they are different. That comes down to the relationships and where we've we've really increased our transactions and created funnels now isn't just to get, you know, your funnel before was, hey, I'm an off-market guy. Do you want to come on my buyer's list? That was basically everybody's funnel because everyone wanted that. 
Now it's about finding that exact product for the investor that they're looking for. The people buying today have a specific need, whether it's development, fix and flip, burr properties, it could be a dadu property, but they're looking for a specific thing. And so what we've done is we spent a lot more time setting up lead funnels for that specific investor because not every investor is the same. They buy differently. And so by giving away free education and, and, and teaching about that specific strategy that they're interested to do, it's created multiple funnels all coming back into the same brand that were a brokerage that sells investment property. And we understand how to underwrite, package it and get them a good deal. And, and so, you know, as Dispo gets harder, and or if any marketing channel that you're in is harder, sometimes you have to create additional funnels that are a little bit more niche and more specific. That's going to drive you the right client that you can then spend time with, get to know them well, learn what they want, and then you can convert a lot higher when you're when you have a property that the person really wants or hits all their buy boxes. It's really easy to sell. And every buy, every buyer's buy box is different. And so by setting up these channels, it's allowed us to really transact at a higher pace. Like in the last 90 days, we've sold more properties than we did in the prior six months. Not just because the market has kind of cooled down. It's because we switched how we were bringing in our clients. You mentioned DADU earlier. What What is that? Uh, that's a detached accessory dwelling unit. And that's something that's a very, very hot investment trend. Uh, I mean, nationwide, but specifically in Seattle. And so what that is, is when you buy a single family house, you can renovate the house and then build your own uh, detached house in the back. And typically it has size constraints of around 1,000 to uh, 1,200 square feet, but it allows you to add an additional property in the back of of your existing property. That is hyper accelerated the returns for rentals because you get to build a property that you can cash flow in the back or... In Seattle, we can condominium them off and sell them separately. And so it adds a huge, huge kicker into extra deals. Um, and so it's, it's a very hot trend. And so a lot of times when there's a trend floating around in the investment space, we do set up that specific funnel because that's where you're going to transact back best with your dispos. Interesting. So you're saying like you find a trend. I mean, that, that's kind of funny. That's, I never really thought about that, but I mean, it, it works with everything, but like if you see a trend, you're like, okay, let's capitalize on it. And you basically adjust your businesses and your funnels so that you do that. And then you have a much larger buyer pool, right? Yeah. The first thing we do is we buy it ourselves and we test it. Yeah. And then we make a case study and go, hey, this is what happened. This is why this works. And and that's the best way we like to market is, hey, we're doing this. This worked. Here's how you do it. And we give them a step-by-step plan at that point. But on dispoing... Creating that funnel backwards works really well. Like we sold over 75 lots to one specific builder in the last 24 months. We did that by finding out what his buy box was. And then we matched our funnel for off market to just bring in those specific types of properties. And because we were giving them the opportunities that hit 95% of their buy box, they were outbidding everybody. And so it allowed us to transact really well. Yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of like reverse wholesaling is a little bit of what we call it. If you have a known buyer on the back end, you can maybe raise your price or even bring them in throughout your putting your offer together. Hey, we have this property. You know, we built this good disposition list. You're a trusted buyer, like everything we've talked about, um, in the past couple of minutes. And then you can bring them in and say, Hey, what would you pay for this? Here are the numbers. Here are the pictures. And that allows you to kind of a back into a deal and be a little more certain on the deal. And it all, 
you know, boils down to building that dispositions list. Well, and, and I do have a question for Rob because Rob is a marketing genius and the famous YouTuber. <laughs> how, how do you use funnels? I think, you know, you probably have a, a you probably know marketing better than me and Sam combined in one brain. So, that. like, yeah, I mean, you are the celebrity of YouTube. How, how have you created your funnels to drive in your business? Um, honestly, there's a there's a couple of ways that I do it. I, I always tell people that no matter what business that you're doing, email capture is the number one thing that you want to do in any business because email marketing is still a very, very, very successful way to build a relationship with your clients because you can send out daily emails, but also just a way to convert a lot of the leads that are in that list. So in my space, especially in the Airbnb world, uh, what I'm starting to realize is I'm actually starting to move a little bit off of the Airbnb platform and I'm actually developing a direct booking website. Um, there's a couple of reasons for this. Uh, I've always depended on Airbnb primarily and there's also Verbo and there's other OTAs, online travel agencies out there, but I'm playing by their rules. I don't really have control of my listing. Like I could get shut down for any reason and I don't really, really love that. And so I'm creating a direct booking website. And, you know, the one thing that happens when you create a direct booking website for your short term rental business is, as I mentioned, taco stand out of your house. It's not like people are just going to like know that my direct booking website exists, right? I have to sort of market that. And so one way would obviously be YouTube. But the primary way that I'm actually marketing and developing my funnel within my short term rental business is I am capturing the, the emails of all of my guests by using a device. You know, have you ever gone to like a hotel and when you're trying to log into Wi Fi, and it's like, put in your email and check this box. Um, that's effectively what I'm doing at all of my Airbnbs. Now you connect it to your router. And not only are you getting the email of the person that booked your place, you're getting everyone's email. Like if it's a group of 10 people, you've just gotten the emails of 10 different people that then get added to my email list, my CRM. And then you can actually market to them after they stay. Hey, thanks so much for staying. We really appreciated it. You know, next time you come back, I'll give you a 10% discount. You know, a year later, you can say, Hey, it's been a year since you stayed at Casita Conejo. Please come back. We'd love to have you here. Or you, if you really want to get super, you know, into the weeds on the, the funnel there, you could even capture data like their, their, uh, their birthday and send them a birthday, you know, email. It's like, Hey, happy birthday, James. Uh, you know, come back, get, you'll get 50% off of your stay since it's your birthday. And so that is kind of my way of, of utilizing funnels within my real estate business because, you know, primarily when I started this thing, I was just getting one-off guests that would say, but never come back. But if you can build your business around repeat business, and you can even just increase your repeat business by like 5%, it can have exponential results on your overall revenue. So I'm kind of getting into this whole like, you know, I do funnel marketing outside of real estate, but within it, like I'm really excited to get under the hood and figure out what I can do to actually make more money and emails. And uh, that email list is kind of like the number one way to do it for my direct booking website. How's that sound? That do good. Yeah, well, that's and you made a really important part of the funnels is that eat that marketing follow up, follow up for sure. You know, like for us, you know, on average, it takes us four and a half months to close that sale. You know, some are really quick and some take a really long time. And so the blended average is four and a half months. But that funnel and the follow up to keep people moving through is is really really important on any type of lead that you're contacting, staying in front of them. 
Um, and, you know, I, I'm actually really glad you brought that up because that is half the battle of getting that sale done is just staying in front of the people for a long gated amount of time, communicating with them and then having them drive back to you. Yeah. And then get, just get an excuse, any excuse to reach out to them, right? Like, like I just added a pickleball court to one of my properties. So I can send out an email to all of the guests that have stayed in the past and say, Hey, you know, last time you stayed, this pickleball court wasn't here, but now it is come back and enjoy it. And, you know, again, you can hit them with a discount code. You can just remind them, stay top of mind. But effectively what you want, especially in the short term rental side of things is for someone to read that email and be like, Oh my gosh, that was so fun. I got to text the group and make that, you know, make that trip happen again. So there's a bunch of different ways you can get creative with it. You know, my big funnel, uh, in the, in the short term rental space isn't just that it's, it is listing on Airbnb, Verbo, my direct booking website, Furnish Finder, putting all my stuff out there for the world to see because that's the only way people are ever going to find out about my businesses. Uh, so a lot of use cases here from flipping to wholesaling to agent businesses to short term rentals. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we were able to teach people a little something today. Yeah, I think I just I wanted to add a note as I'm sitting here learning from you two gentlemen, the passion that you guys have, especially Rob just went into like a Rain Man tangent and then James has been doing this the whole time. <laughs> but having that passion for these funnels and really enjoying the process, I think is super, super important for newer investors. If you don't have that passion, that is fine. Don't fake it, but find somebody that does either hire that out. It'll be worth it or partner with somebody that has a passion around this side of the business, because the reason these two guys are so freaking successful and are here talking and you know I'm learning from them along with everybody listening is because of their passion and how much they get into it. So if you don't have that passion for this side of the business, I think that's fine. But I would suggest finding somebody that does and making them a part of your team some way, shape or form because having that kind of thing and having that enjoyment out of figuring things out and maximizing things will set you apart from a lot of different people. Yeah. Totally agree, man. Not the, a lot of what we just talked about today is marketing, marketing 101. And admittedly, not everyone is a marketing person, and that's totally fine. I'm a marketing guy. I am not a detail-oriented, in-the-numbers, in-the-weed spreadsheet guy. And I have a partner that does that, and then I handle the marketing side of it, right? So I definitely think whether it's someone on your team or it's your partner, especially in partnerships, when you're when you're finding a partner to work with in the real estate space, find out how to be supplementary to each other. And you know, for me, I just happen to be the marketing arm of my own business. But um, a lot of good stuff here, guys. I appreciate you guys coming in and talking about this stuff. Hopefully, everyone at home, you're sort of thinking about your business and your respective funnels. To put it in, and remember, to put it in simple terms, you can think of a funnel as an upside down triangle. I'm going to draw it out right here on this piece of paper. It's going to be the most amazing thing I've ever drawn. All right. This right here is a funnel for those of you that are watching on YouTube. People travel down that funnel. It is the experience. It is the journey that a customer takes through your funnel to ultimately convert. And one of the big things that we talked about at the beginning of this, perhaps the biggest downfall is the lack of follow-up. So make sure that you are following up with the people that are going through your funnel or else you know, you're, you're doing all of this for no reason. So not only following up, but doing it in a timely manner. Sam, any other, any other big downfalls with the funnel? I know you had a couple at the beginning of the show. Yeah. The biggest one for me, especially for newer investors is going to be go deeper and not wider. Don't try 10 different channels and create 10 different funnels. That's just going to be inefficient and you're probably not going to see a ton of results. So I would just pick two or three and go a little bit deeper into those, figure out where your inefficiencies are, get in, get efficient. And then after that, start to stack on more funnels. So deeper, not wider. Awesome. Well, I think, uh, I think I just thought of a great drinking game. Take a shot every time someone says funnel on the podcast. <laughs> um, with that said, James, where can people learn more about you if they want to find you on the internet? 
connect with you, send you a tweet, all that good stuff. Find the top of my funnel. Yeah, exactly. If people want to find you at the top of your funnel, where can they do so? Uh, the, probably the easiest way is Instagram at jdaneflips, or uh, you can check out jamesdaner.com. Awesome. What about you, Sam? Where can people find the top of your funnel? The top of my funnel. Well, um, pretty much any social media I am on. Uh, the name's at Sam Faster Freedom. So whatever social media you're on, just go ahead and find me there. If you're on Twitter or X or whatever they're going to call it now, um, just, you know, hit me up there. But uh, if you want to communicate with me, uh, same as James, um, at Sam Faster Freedom on Instagram, I'll, I'll answer your DM and get you whatever information you need and try and help you out. Awesome. And you can find me over uh, on YouTube at Rob Built. Uh, I talk about all this stuff in long form, or actually, I guess it's a shorter form than, than podcast. You you know, 15 to 20 minute videos that teach you everything about real estate. And yeah, some funnel marketing is involved, I suppose. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Rob Built, threads at Rob Built. And uh, that's it, guys. I, I think we can safely say that today we put the fun in funnel. And that's it. Yeah, I'm going I'm to leave with that. I don't even want you guys to react to that horrible joke. Catch everyone on the next episode of Bigger Pockets. <laughs> The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam! Instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.